With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to episode 35 of the Bomber Brothers podcast. Sean and Ryan with you as usual, and we our excitement about baseball seemed to last about a week, and now we have injuries piling up. Severino not going to be the opening day starter. He throws one slider in his warm-ups and feels a little pain in the back of his shoulder. And uh, so now shoulder inflammation shut down for two weeks. Aaron Hicks has a stiff back. He hasn't been playing, so... Uh, Sean, two recently extended players that we were excited about are now heading to the injured list, as we should call it now, not not the disabled list. Maybe Sonny Gray was right, and the Yankees should stop making uh, their pitchers throw so many <laughs> sliders. Maybe they should just abandon the pitch altogether, like Sonny Gray suggests. Um, no, I that you know I was bummed. Uh, the the Hicks thing you hope is just spasms, and it'll heal itself, and he'll be fine. I don't think there should be too much concern there. Um, backs could be tricky though. I mean, we've seen with, you know, Don Mattingly, uh, but of more concern is Severino. Uh, you'd hate to see a shoulder injury. Obviously elbow is usually a, a, a lost year kind of thing, but shoulders can linger and really affect you. I mean, they said that the MRI was pretty good otherwise besides the inflammation. So hopefully that's all it is, but usually inflammation is a result of something going wrong. So I'm still not completely comfortable with the situation yeah he's gonna get some cortisone and anti-inflammatories and and hopefully that solves it but for i I think i I think part of a a bigger picture is just realizing that i think it was pretty clear fatigue had an impact on his second half last year and if he's already dealing with troubles this early in the season it it's it's worrisome for his uh for his outlook for this year when given the back end of the Yankees rotation they could really use the ace version of Severino and we saw it plenty of times last year until until we headed down the stretch of the season so if he's throwing with a bum shoulder that's that's definitely a problem yeah I mean the way that they used him last year you wouldn't be surprised if there was some residual fatigue that happened I'm glad he got paid uh because they really they really rode him pretty hard down the stretch um, even when he seemed compromised. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of one of those situations where it could just be, I mean, we've all had, you know, 
general soreness and everything, and and the Yankees are choosing to be cautious. So you hope that's all it is. But obviously, you know, just with pitchers, you always fear for the worst. And um, you know, Dad's shoulder's been bothering him for years. So <laughs> hopefully, Severino recovers quicker than that. Yeah, if his shoulder is uh, the extent of Dad's injury, we could be in some trouble. But yeah. um, it's. Like you said, residual effects of a pitcher that's thrown uh, about 200 innings each of the last two years after being in the bullpen in 2016, coming up uh, late in the season in 2015. So that's that's two years of full work, even when it seemed like he was starting to tire at the back end of last year. So could this be residual effects of that? Maybe. Um, is it better than finding out he had a torn labrum or something like that? Obviously, you just hope uh-huh. that the inflammation is, is just that, and like you said, not a result of something else. So I'm sure we'll find out in a couple more weeks when he's reevaluated, and hopefully he just gets a clean bill of health and is able to get back out there. But uh, looking at the rotation now, even after adding James Paxson as the Yankees' first move of the offseason, now... The Yankees will start the season without Severino and without CC Sabathia, and we can get into possible options to replace them, but I don't know if it would matter much because the Yankees have seemed to already said they're committed to internal options like Domingo Herman and Jonathan Loizaga, maybe even earmuffs Luis Sessa, who I really want no part of in the starting rotation anymore, but he's out of minor league options, so it's pretty scary to think that Luis Sessa could be part of the opening day rotation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was actually a great option out there. Uh, His name was Patrick Corbin, but uh, he's not here. So that that's not going to happen. I've been saying, we've been both been saying for a while, the Yankees should bolster this rotation. Loisaga has injury issues. Herman is dicey. They both strike out a lot of guys, and, and Sessa stinks. Um, I, I, it's actually good. Maybe Sessa comes up, and then when you get Severino back, they have to send him back down. And since he's out of options, they have to DFA him. So if that's what it takes. And I guess this was for a higher purpose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything happens for a reason. So we'll see. But um, I, I mean, I really, I'm not a huge um, fan of his now, but I've always kind of thought Gio Gonzalez was a crafty pitcher and I wouldn't mind them taking a run at him. I, I think they need another starter anyway. You know, CC starting the year uh, with the suspension, plus, you know, he's behind anyway. So you're down him and Severino, like you said, for at least the first week of the season. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Now you have Paxton, Severino, and Hap is your rotation right now. And then Tanaka. I'm sorry, Paxton, Tanaka, and Hap. So I I don't know what you're doing. I mean, there's not that many off days in the beginning of the season. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, go out and get Gio Gonzalez. It's not going to cost you that much. And you know what? Like, there's, like, you can kind of dick guys around when they're not your guys. Like, it'd be messed up if they dropped CeCe from the rotation because he's been been one of the Yankees guys. But if you give Gio a one-year deal and then move him to the long man once everybody else is healthy, well, who cares? I mean, just, you know, whatever. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a better option than what he's apparently being offered right now. And, and uh, look, yeah. of, of course, Gio Gonzalez is an underwhelming solution in the scheme of things when guys like Corbin was uh, 
there for the taking, and Corey Kluber was potentially on the trading block, but but you look at his numbers, and Gonzalez has been pretty much league average for the last three or four seasons in terms of ERA plus and FIP and all that good stuff. So, you know, he he might give up a little more ground balls than the league average, which could be troublesome given the Yankees' infield defense. But I'm sorry, I, I still consider that a better option than Loisaga and Herman right now. I, I love I love those two guys as bullpen options for now, but both of them don't really have a third pitch to make them an efficient starter. Herman has that amazing curveball that had him, I think, like in the top seven in the league in uh, swinging strike percentage last year. But you know, you you put that out there for five or six innings at a time, and hitters start to catch on. And you saw that last year when when hitters made contact against him, they crushed him. Uh, Loisigo, the same thing. Two two plus pitches, not really a third one yet. So I still consider those guys as bullpen options right now. I know Herman's having a great spring. That probably is helping his case for sliding into the rotation to start the season. But uh, I would I would prefer the Yankees just go out and get Gio Gonzalez or even Dallas Keuchel for a, a bargain. Again, those guys aren't great options, but they would probably give you league average output and given the Yankees offense that that would be okay until Severino's okay to come back yeah that's uh, I mean that that that'd be all right but uh, it's just frustrating because this all could have been avoided yeah <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean you, men- you mentioned the Corbin signing and and mm-hmm. it could have also been avoided if they just signed Manny Machado and packaged Andujar for Corey Kluber that could have worked too but very very true but here we are yep who who would have possibly foreseen that rotation depth could have became a concern? Everybody. Exactly. And it's already becoming one. And unfortunately, it starts with the most important pitcher in the rotation. So there's, uh, what, what do we have? What's today? March 7th? So we're three, yes. So we're three weeks away from opening, day. three weeks from today, right? Um. Yeah, three weeks from today. And um, are you? Do you know if you're able to go yet or not? I will find out in the immediate future, like within the next few days. All right. But I, so, I have officially been confirmed for May 30th against Boston. That I will. I'll be there for that officially. Good. By then, hopefully, we have a full rotation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it'll be yeah, better I than mean, seeing Sonny Gray pitch against Boston like last year. You know, I was actually in Nashville the last three days and um, near Vanderbilt, but I did not find any Sonny Gray fans <laughs> while I was there, and I'm not surprised by this. Yeah, we, we could talk about that real quick if we're ready to move on from the Severino concerns. I mean, there's really I mean, not much else to say except we're freaked out. Yeah, we're freaked out. Go get Gio Gonzalez. I mean, just just go do it. Yeah. Who cares? He's not going to break the bank. You can get him on a one-year deal. And um, it, it's good to have that that kind of kind of depth. I mean, unless you're going to be bullpenning, which is you know another another option. So, I mean, we'll see. But the Yankees really, they're not. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you do it with off days built in, it's okay. But they don't really have a lot of guys that you want going long innings and burning for for other days. But we'll see. Yeah, they've said they're open to using the opener, which is I don't know. That's frightening to me. That's that's a dicey game. Where wearing down the strongest part of your team, right? Well, I mean, you know, obviously the Yankees hit a ton of home runs, but their bullpen is arguably the strongest part of the team. Yeah, and they are better used in 
small increments grouped together to be one mega bullpen used after four or five innings from a starter. So you know, may, maybe this deep bullpen can mask the absence of Severino for at least a little while. And if the Yankees only ask Herman or Loisaga for four innings, I mean, we'll see. But obviously I'm not feeling too confident about that. Just hope, yeah. just hope Severino comes back soon. Well, yeah, and, you know, just looking at the schedule, um, they actually – their only off day the first week is that um, – the day after opening day. Which I Friday. hate. Yeah, well, they do it because of the rainouts and stuff like that. Um, I know why they do it, but there's no bigger tease than watching opening day and being so pumped up about having meaningful baseball back, and then mm-hmm. the next day you're back to not having it. Obviously, so, you can watch other teams, but... You you know what? I'm not even going to joke. The best time to, to pull the, the opener game would be opening day, because then you have the off day the next <laughs> day. And then, and then they play they play seven games straight after that. One, two, three, four. Or six games straight after that. So, Are you Francesa now, just counting numbers out loud? One, one. <laughs> the, best, the best is when he counts how many innings mariano pitches oh, yeah, in the yeah. season it's just all ones and twos and then he gets to you know 2003 three, 1.2 1 2 1 1 and a third 2 1 2 anyway so yeah sunny gray yeah so i i thought it was a little blown out of proportion once i read the whole article which um eno saris wrote for the athletic which was a, re- a really good article i found it really interesting and i think it's part of a a conversation that that should be had because that was what what Sonny Gray was talking about was kind of something that was brought up throughout the season. You know, are the Yankees um, putting too much emphasis on breaking balls and and going shying away from the fastballs? I know that was a concern when Jay Happ was acquired. If if they were going to do that to him too, luckily they didn't, and Happ was effective down the stretch. So. I I I found it interesting because Sonny Gray was uh, obviously not looking like his old self, and it's it's funny. I was just in the article he mentions how he doesn't have a good slider like Tanaka, so the the um, the road that the Yankees went down with Tanaka in terms of his repertoire would not wasn't working for Sonny Gray because he didn't have a slider like Tanaka. And I was watching highlights this morning of that monster game Mike Trout had when he had 11 total bases against the Yankees last year when Sonny Gray started. I think that was Sunday Night Baseball. And, no, no uh, it, was a, it was a Saturday night game on oh, Fox. Oh, Saturday yeah. night game. Okay, I knew it was national TV. But anyway, uh, you see like two of those pitches that he just mashed into uh-huh. the gap were these flat sliders that had absolutely no bite to them whatsoever. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I just read it and it's just more reinforcement for me that I wouldn't be surprised at all if Sonny Gray becomes a really good pitcher again in Cincinnati and whether it was how Larry Rothschild handled him or how Sonny Gray handled New York whatever the case is I I definitely think Sonny Gray is going to turn the page and and be a good pitcher in Cincinnati I sure hope not um (laughs) I I I don't know because what did he not throw his slider on the road and that's why he pitched well on the road yeah that's that's and that one like he just didn't throw with the one start where he dominated and then said he was one of the best pitchers in baseball I mean (laughs) it just seems a little peculiar uh that he had all these problems in New York not elsewhere and then he starts blaming other other people I mean excuse me the Yankees seem to have always put people in a position to succeed and they didn't force 
you know, they enforced their ways upon Hap or on Lance Lynn, who was, you know, pumping fastballs out of the bullpen and then his spot starts when he when he was pitching in, in Gray's place. So um, I am suspicious of this, uh, of what Sonny Gray is actually saying, mainly because I don't trust Sonny Gray. But I, I mean, the Yankees haven't shown any any issues like this with any of their other pitchers. Most guys that have come over here have found success. So um, he's either the one unfortunate incident um, or. You know, I think he's looking for something to blame. Yeah, I think he was just one unfortunate incident, and um, and now is just ready to turn the page. But again, I, I thought it was a little blown up. I, I feel like I feel like a lot of media outlets just kind of pulled parts of quotes out of that story to make it seem like, oh, Sonny Gray's blasting the Yankees. He, I mean, he definitely. He definitely pointed the finger briefly at times when he was describing what went wrong, but I didn't think it was a, you know all-out assault on the Yankees and how they handled him because, let's face it, given the way he pitched, there's really not many people to blame but himself with how terrible he was last year. Yep, that's true. Um, can't believe we're talking about Sonny Gray in All right, well, March. Yeah, let's just turn <laughs> no, We can, page. I'm just saying. I'm like, uh, I can't believe we're going back. I don't him. want to. I just felt like it was something we had to bring up. What do, you want, what, what do you want to turn the page to? That Ellsbury's coming back for <laughs> Ellsbury's coming back for St. Patrick's Day. Andrew Andrew Marchand had me laughing pretty hard yesterday when when uh I think Brian Hoke tweeted that he was expected back March 16th or 17th, and Marchand replied, "What year?" <laughs> yeah, I, I saw a poll. Who has a better chance of taking the field for the Yankees on March 17th? an actual leprechaun or Jacoby <laughs> Ellsbury and the leprechaun was winning the poll 92% to eight. That's it. Huh? Uh, I thought it would have been more. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. I don't care. Um, no, hopefully but, his back heels and we never have to hear of Ellsbury again. Well, that's, that's actually another thing we can talk about. You know, Hicks has these back issues at the same time. We just find out a couple days ago, the Yankees, quote-unquote, reveal their plan for Brett Gardner this year, which is for him to be the regular out left fielder uh, with more days off, they said, quote-unquote. So this is just another concerning trend for me. You know, Hicks having a tight back, and you just you think about all it takes is one injury in the outfield, and all of a sudden Brett Gardner's playing every day again. And I get it. He crushed two home runs in spring training, but... You want to maximize that production by keeping him fresh and not throwing him out there every day. Brett Gardner should not be playing 140 games anymore. He just shouldn't. And hopefully this is nothing more than just a stiff back for Hicks because if not, and all of a sudden you have Gardner playing regularly in the outfield again and he's probably sapped of his production by June or July like he was last year, put up a 66 weighted runs created plus in the second half of last season, and it would probably trend even worse this year as he's another year older. So that's that's another thing that's concerning to me heading into this season. Yeah, it worries me. But if Hicks is healthy, then I think I think it'll work out. They'll probably rely on him a little bit early in the season, and then once uh, we pass whatever date in May, they'll bring up Frazier again, and um, you know probably start to work him in. I think that that's what they'll probably do. Um, God help us if Ellsbury's on the major league roster. <laughs> so I don't know. Or they could just start the season with Ellsbury and, and, you know, wear him out and keep Gardner fresh for the second <laughs> half. But, um, yeah, I, I really hope that they give Gardy at least, you know, an even timeshare out there and left with Stanton and uh, and Frazier. Um, I think Stanton should play left if his legs are healthy. He's, you know, only one year yeah. removed from being playing. What, what did he play in 158 games? 
in 2017. Yeah, and and in the and, National League where he couldn't yeah, even DH. So he, yeah. Was a so, gold was a Gold Glove candidate. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I, I'd like to see him out there a little bit more to give Guardy a rest, and then that opens up the DH spot for other possibilities. Um. You know, we'll see what happens there. It sounds like they're definitely not um, bringing up Bird and Voight. Um, so we'll say it'd be nice to have a little rotating DH. Put Andahar there and play, you know, the immortal DJ LeMahieu at third base. <laughs> yeah, shifting to something a little more positive, the first base battle, like you just mentioned, Bird and Voight, that's been pretty fun so far. They've both been hitting the ball well this spring. They've both uh, – they've both uh, – Wait, has Bird? Yeah, Bird went deep. He went opposite way for a home yeah, run. He, yeah, he went oppo taco. Um, but Voigt has been, been hitting. Yeah, Voigt's been hitting a ton of home runs. Um, so while they're both performing well, I think the last couple of games, Bird struck out twice. I know he went over two yesterday with a walk. They're both in the lineup today. Bird's DHing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see this race. I think, I think Voigt's earned it if they continue to kind of be neck and neck, even though that void is already ahead. So even if they finished kind of tied in production, I, I think Voigt's earned it off of last season. And plus, you know, like we said on last episode, one of them's going to the minors just to get a year, suck another year of service time out of their lives anyway. But um, it'd be interesting to see if, um, if bird goes down and mashes in the minors, do they use him to move him for a pitcher or do they bring him up and, and make void to DH and put Stanton and left? There's, there's a lot of different ways you can go. How do you see this shaking out? I, I think they both stay on the team this year and uh, you can use one of them as, as a DH at times when Gardner inevitably starts to wear down as the year progresses and Stanton becomes more of a regular in the outfield. And then you can DH um, Voy and Bird, or you know, either or, and I, I just, I, I know that the Yankees, as an organization, are so high on Bird, especially because of what they saw when he initially came through the minor league ranks, when he came onto the scene in 2015. Just his, just his presence as a left-handed bat in a very right-handed heavy lineup. So I, I don't see them moving bird this year i, I think uh, i think they'll both stay on the team through the year i, I yeah. but i do think void is is the opening day first baseman as, as things stand right now yeah i mean the the misnomer about greg bird being this legendary spring training player is that he had a great spring training the year he initially broke his ankle when he came back from the shoulder surgery yeah Last year he was not good, and then in 2015 I think he was pretty pedestrian. Um, but this spring, Bird is slashing 400, 500, 800. <laughs> so that's a 1,300 OPS. And then Voight is 308, 357, 769. So that's a 1.126 OPS. Uh, Aaron Judge leads the team, by the way, in OPS this spring with 1.67. So, my God. Um, <laughs> although he got a little help from that right fielder the other day when the ball yeah, bounced. Yeah, went off his glove. Uh, <laughs> I saw Gardner was giving, him shit, giving yeah. him shit for that. He still hit the ball hard. So, I mean, I think I think you have something in both players, and they're both assets, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, like you said, Cashman's always been a bird guy, and we've seen that Cashman – um, lets that kind of play into himself a little bit more. I mean, he was always a Gardner guy, and even after getting Ellsbury, he made sure to keep Gardner on the team. Um, there's other guys that he's been high on. Uh, Chase Headley comes to mind with giving Chase Headley a contract. I mean, he was after him for years, and then yeah, you know, well, luck, luckily traded him away after a while. 
that that was not that was not a fun experiment. Yeah, four years, thirteen million a year. Is that that it was, what it, it was? Something like that. Today he wouldn't even get a contract if that no. was the same same environment. Yeah, yeah, I remember the talk was about his defense when he came over, and then he was. I think he had like one good year at third base defensively, and then was league average at best the rest of the way and is probably most remembered for falling running the second base in the ALCS and that uh, starting that rally against the that Astros. was I mean I know I've told you this before but I was in class when that happened and so I had a little radio in my pocket <laughs> and had the the earphone like up through my shirt so I could listen without my professor seeing <laughs> And just trying to understand what the hell was going on with John Sterling calling it. I remember I texted you guys. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, uh, trying to follow a game using just John Sterling is, is going to be difficult. As, well, as fun as he is to listen to. <laughs> I mean, hands down, two of the best three games in the postseason. I was listening to him because I had class the night of the wild card game mm-hmm. and of that, that game. So, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, that that was that was an interesting time. Um, so, yeah, I I mean, so far everything this spring has been pretty much, I mean, uneventful aside from the two injuries we talked about, right? I mean, Stanton doesn't look great, but it's early, and I don't really get worried about veterans that that yeah. aren't great in spring training. But I mean, Andujar, Bird, you know, Wade has been hitting. Torres Torres, Torres. Torres looks fine. Um, Frazier's not doing so good. I think he's just putting too much pressure on himself. Voigt's knocking the cover off the ball. Sanchez hit a homer the other day. So, I mean, everything seems okay. Canley's got his velocity up a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, like one to two miles an hour faster than last year. So we'll see uh, if that helps him out because he, I mean, if if you add the 2017 version of Canley to that bullpen and to what it already is, I mean, that's, that may, that definitely makes you feel a little better about some uh, a thin starting rotation because that that would be another prolific reliever. He doesn't look like he did in 2017 when he was pumping 97, 98 consistently, uh, especially in the playoffs. But you know, hopefully he can make his way back. And that he was just battling an injury last year that just sapped him of his velocity. Yep, that's that's true. So what else is going on? That's that's about it. I mean, now we're just counting down the days to opening day but now i'm suddenly counting them down a little slower than i was the other day because i want severino to be okay and it's it's going to be another dog fight for the division i, I you know i don't care that the red sox just <laughs> as soon as as soon as the red sox who seem to have no bullpen whatsoever say that Stephen wright is going to primarily be a reliever he gets suspended 80 games for peds so now the red sox are down another reliever but, um, you know, despite that, it's still going to be a dogfight for the division, and, and you want to get out to a good start and win as many games as, as possible. And you think back to the beginning of last year when the Yankees, I mean, they won those first two games in Toronto. Stanton hits two home runs. You're like, here we go. This team is going to be a machine. Yeah. And then they, and then they stumble to a 9-9 nine and nine start. Boston gets out to one of the best starts in history. I think they were, they were what, 17 and and like three or something ridiculous like that. And 
you uh yeah but then we went berserker and, and passed them i know but what i'm exactly but you know they wind up losing the division by eight games you you changed mm-hmm. you changed the beginning of that season and right. it was probably a much more interesting fight towards the end of the season there but um yeah i i would i would gladly take another 16 wins and 17 games including you know sweeps of the astros and indians with Torres walk-offs and Ken Giles punching himself in the face because of Gary Sanchez. <laughs> that was that was a fun time. Yeah, that was that was the most fun month of the season. Unfortunately, it happened uh, at the wrong time. You know, last year or the year before that September, September and October were the most fun times, and you'd rather have that than May and June. So, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm just you know we'll see. I, I think we'll get more clarity on Severino probably you know in two weeks when he throws again, and we'll see. And hopefully it's nothing but a little inflammation that he needed to get shut down. I mean we see that with CC with his knee all the time, and he's smart enough to know. And um, you know you know CC has mentored Severino, and hopefully that some of that wisdom has sunk in. So he knew okay, this doesn't mean anything. Let me just be honest and, and say how I feel. So. Yeah, that was important. So, you you hearing that Severino went and told someone as soon as he threw that first slider and felt that in his shoulder because yep. we we need to move on from the this ridiculous like playing through whatever hurts. Like if a sh- if you're a pitcher and you're the most valuable pitcher on your team and your shoulder hurts, like you're you should be telling somebody. Absolutely. Um, every, like like you and many other people who listen to this know Jeter's my favorite player of all time and he didn't tell people about injuries and as you know you you love him for the competitive fire but he also didn't tell anyone about an injury that resulted in a broken ankle so bad things happen when when uh athletes go that route i was there when it broke that's right yeah i'm glad, glad i wasn't fault. <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah, if, if didn't tie the game, game. <laughs> uh yeah it was a tough day um but anyway, yeah, we'll see. I mean, nothing else is really going on in Yankee world. Everything's quiet. We didn't get Harper, but we didn't really expect to. No, and and the Phillies are already reaping the benefits of that. You, uh-huh. hear, you hear about all their jersey sales. Their uh, ticket sales are up some ridiculous amount I saw on Twitter. So yeah, let, lesson learned. You can sign people to mega contracts, and it's not going to hurt you as a franchise. So uh, hopefully – the Yankees keep that in mind if and when Mike Trout becomes available because I would be willing to pay him $500 million to bring, okay. to bring Trout here. That Yeah, I mean, he's he's worth more than Machado and Harper combined, I think, is the uh, is the joke, and it's probably true. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I mean, the Yankees said they didn't need any help um, in the outfield or infield, and they needed pitching, which – Saying that right now seems very true, but the only problem, and they said they addressed that. The only problem is they only added one starting pitcher that was new because they just brought Happ and CC back, and they brought in what three new infielders or two new infielders. So they did more to address the infield than the rotation, and now we're seeing the problem with that. Yeah, yep. Hopefully, it's hopefully the extent of that problem ends here, and it's just inflammation, and we'll have Severino back in a couple weeks but in terms of Mm -hmm. this week or next week uh what are you uh oh did we retire this tradition now i now i forget um what am i looking forward to yankee wise or non-yankee wise what what do you want to do oh yeah yeah we can transition to yankee wise what are we what are we looking forward to now that baseball's back 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing all the starters on their second time through, sort of. I mean, the first time, you know, you're just getting your stuff under you. Um, and, I mean, we saw with, like, even some of the relievers, like Chapman's control was not great. Farquhar So he's was, in mid-season four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it'd be, it's good to see the guys get through a second time. You'll start to see, I think, the pitching start to catch up and, and then overtake the hitting, as, as usually happens. So... We'll see. And I'm just, you know, it's fun to see some of the guys mash like Bird and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. We'll be, you know, three weeks away. So that's, you know, only 21 days. Can't really count down here. And we'll get yeah. going with the real stuff again and start screaming about things that Boone does and, and, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching more of Sanchez. He's he's uh, getting fully back from that shoulder surgery. He went yard. <laughs> Uh, over the weekend so i'm expecting big things from sanchez i'm excited to watch him uh, get some more at bats in spring training and start to get ready for the regular season and uh yeah he he's, he's one of the guys i'm rooting for the most this year because of his struggles last year and what we know he's capable of and right he, he changes the entire lineup if you add another bat like his when he's playing like he did in 2016 and 2017 so uh yeah, go Gary. That's that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Yeah, the year of the El Gary. So, all right. Well, uh, I guess that's a wrap for episode 35, and uh, we've got 35 minutes for episode 35. Really not. Uh, you know, we thought the off season was boring, but maybe spring training is more boring. <laughs> I know. But... I guess. I guess part of the off season was the intrigue that everything hadn't yeah. been resolved yet so we were still able to play the what if and the theoreticals and what they should do and what they should not do now it's just all right they're playing baseball it doesn't mean anything right now so there's really not much to talk about also a lot of the games up to this point haven't been televised so we haven't even really been able to watch too much of it so there's also not as much to talk about in that area so yeah but, what, but what's we up what with we that we're in we're in you know, 2019. Howard is not every spring training game. They should at least do MLB.tv for free in the spring. I mean, like that gets yeah. every would get everybody interested in it. But uh, what do I know? I just do marketing analytics, not actual marketing. So mm. uh, phony. Kind of yeah, I'm a phony. So yeah. Well, they I can't. Guess that's they about. can't broadcast Yankee games. They have to play reruns of Center Stage during the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 true. All right, well, we're, we're a couple weeks away from being rescued from that, and we'll be back next week when we're one week closer to that meaningful baseball and have, hopefully have some more stuff to talk about and start bringing some guests back on once the regular season starts and there's things for them to actually talk about. So we look forward to that. We thank everyone for listening, and we'll see everybody next week. See you, everybody.